Hello everyone, my name is Wes Asmal. Welcome to another episode of Two Ways to Skin a Cat, a show where we talk career experiences, entrepreneurship and investments. Main aim is to show that there's more than one way to be successful other than just climbing the corporate ladder. Mm-hmm. We are live on LinkedIn and YouTube and we'll, the show will be available on the podcast by tomorrow morning. If you're joining us live, drop a one in the comments so that we know we're not talking to ourselves. And if you're watching the recording, drop a two in the comments. My guest for this week is Linda Makoma, an entrepreneur, board member of Abasa, and as head of Transformation and Women, and board member of quite a few other entities. Linda, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Uez. Very nice to be here. Um, love your your tagline, and I love what it means. So really happy to be here. Awesome. Let's jump straight into questions. Tell us your story. Where have you come from? And maybe outside of work, who is Linda Makoma? Firstly, I love the way you pronounce my surname. You, you look like one of the rare people who do the Q right. <laughs> so kudos to you for that. Um, so I'm a girl born and raised in the Eastern Cape for a small town in Fort Beaufort. Um, and I literally spent my junior primary in Queenstown. I was in boarding school my whole life going into high school. Um, until I then went into tertiary, I uh, started out at Wits, and then I finished my degree in the Eastern Cape um, at Forte, and my honours at, at Forte. And um, who am I? I'm literally somebody who's very passionate about people. I'm a mom to a 10-year-old, which is also a very important uh, career <laughs> in my view, takes a lot more effort. Um, but really, really, um, I think even from the work that I do with like my other pet projects outside of the accounting space, um, I just am passionate about making sure that as I advance and, and as I learn things, I'm sharing them with other people. Like you don't want to be moving up alone. So I'm that sort of person. Servant leadership is my thing. Transformation is my thing. Um, people are my thing. Yeah. And outside of work, or did you cover all of that? Outside of work, um, okay, so we don't account account Basa as outside of work, yo, because that thing is work. <laughs> um, outside of work, I'm I'm literally a mom. I don't feel like I have a lot of time for a lot of other things. But I think just jumping into the entrepreneurial space after leaving uh, the corporate space, there's never like an outside, and and that's when you have to also develop some sort of boundaries and time. But I think the most important thing outside of work for me is spending time with my daughter. Uh, making sure that she's okay. I mean, she's journeyed with me along a lot of stop and goes in my career. And she's had to sacrifice a lot of time away from me. So my outside time is literally just giving that back to her. So, yeah. Oh, that's a good summary. Like, So now you mentioned on top of your own business and your work at Abasa, you're also on a, a few other boards. How do you manage your time? I mean, especially if, like you mentioned, you're a mom, uh, other than learning to say no, which I <laughs> So um, I'll be pretty honest in that uh, before my jump, so I did do my articles at uh, KPMG and I stayed on post articles. But I think if I hadn't made the jump to do my own thing, I wouldn't be able to manage that time the way that I'm able to do it now. Um, I take on a lot of consulting projects, which gives me a lot of flexibility. So I'm able to uh, arrange my sort of, time to fit the other things that I'm very passionate about. So my big thing is really about, you know, living your purpose. And um, so the things that I'm passionate about 
and my purpose needs to really align to the way I structure my life and the things that I take on. So that's kind of how I do it. I think after doing the jump, the spirit kind of tends to guide, you know, you can feel when something is not for you. And if you kind of listen to that voice, then you're able to kind of be able to manage it because you're passionate about it. Yeah. Anybody's got any questions for Linda? Please add it to the uh, to the comment section now. We'll deal with all the questions towards the end. So, so Linda uh, Abasa, head of transformation, women and communication. Like, that's a lot of responsibility. So you get you get sort of dovetail transformation and women sort of, but like then confirmation then communication on top of that. Like, tell us what's the main focus of your position <laughs> or, or, your, or your main goal. I hope you can still hear me. I, my ears are really bad with earphones, but yeah, if I had to put, put them back, I will. Yo, literally, as you're saying it, I just feel like this mad hatter, you know? It comes with having a lot of caps on, but um, I'm going back to what I said, that if you're passionate about something, it you're able to, to manage it. I won't lie, it, it takes a lot, um, but it's for the greater good. So um, everything I do, I always take it back to purpose. And I do believe that my purpose is around advancing people. And it's not limited to an Abasa space, but everything that I do, you come into an organization, maybe I can take it back to how I encountered an Abasa. That was when I was still, I think in third year at the University of Forte. And I bumped into a meeting of this organization and some of the uh, students that I know from my classes are there and there's this banner. And we're just chilling in the back waiting for another class. And something in my mind is like, something in me says this is a very important organization, but this is just so disorganized, this meeting. What is going on here? So I'm one of those that likes to put things in order so that you can be more efficient. So that's when I started, I was like, I'll even help you guys make your meetings more organized. And then it started from there and you become treasurer and all these things. But I'm taking back to, you know, if you're passionate about something, you want to see um, the better in the things that you that are supposed to help other people, then it becomes a, a labor of love, you know. Um, and a lot of us leading these organizations, especially the black organizations, we call this time a labor of love because if you don't have a love for it, you don't have a passion for it, it then becomes this crazy thing to be doing all these things because, you know, it, it can really take a lot of your time. I've noticed a lot more email communication and online events from Abasa the last two years. Uh, yes, I know part of it is because of COVID, but I mean, I wasn't seeing like in-person events before that. So uh, is that also part of, 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 of your, your position? Yes, it is. So um, I started out in the Eastern Cape and then I moved to Joburg uh, through my transfer for work. And that's when I started getting closer to the national office. So one of the roles that I was pulled up to the national office for was to revive the communications. And that's when we implemented the systems. But the biggest thing, I think, um, I know you've interviewed my, my president. Um, we literally took a leap of faith. <laughs> so when, when COVID hit, I think the biggest concern was, I mean, there was a time I'd gone to social media. And remember, we're coming from student days um, in love with this organization, serving this organization. And you start seeing it being questioned in terms of its relevance and all these things. But when you're on the ground, you know what people are doing, but you're just not translating it such that people can see what you're actually doing. So that was my biggest thing for me. I was like, I'd like to come in and how do we translate what I know that this organization is doing into what people can see? And then COVID hit and was like, yo, how are we going to do this now? 
So the digital thing is a big thing. We have a, an amazing national president, very digitally savvy. So he came up with these options and it took a lot of convincing because I think we're all trying to kind of fit into this digital reform. So we took a leap of faith, implemented some systems, and I then volunteered to kind of um, run those and, and just implement them for the organization. So the comms, that's a system that would be linked to your social media. It will be linked to the emails that go out to people that have that are on our database. So yeah, from a digital perspective, social media, that's what communications is really trying to push. Yeah. I'm loving the events because that question of are you relevant is not even anywhere because I know once a month there's going to be an event and it's probably on a <laughs> Thursday afternoon at like five, which is, but I know it's coming. So it's yeah, so <laughs> yeah, you see Thursdays, you've got it. Yeah. I had a quick look through your, your LinkedIn profile and mentioned that you're on the board of uh, SAIGA or the South African Institute of Government Auditors. Yes. So being a government auditor seems to be like potentially a dangerous employment. Mm. What advice do you have for, for young people considering a role or, or considering a career in that space and might be worried about their safety? Yeah. I think it's, it's a really tricky topic and it's one that... Um, as a BASA leaders, we, we're quite concerned about. We've recently just launched our public sector forum, which also needs to address some of those things and having the engagements around what are we doing to protect our people. By default, this career requires that you're ethical, you know, and if we're going to go in there as auditors and you pick up something that is off, it is your duty to raise those things. But we're up against this risk that, you know, people get shot at in, in hotel rooms when they go audit. We've seen these things. I think when in one of our conventions, the late Kimi Makwetu actually dedicated his um, Lifetime Achievement Award to a trainee that was actually, I don't know whether they were attacked or something happened because they were doing the ethical thing and they encountered that risk. It's a continuous engagement, but I think we still need to be resilient. And it's not, I don't think it's only in the public sector that these things are happening. Being ethical, it's about being ethical at the end of the day. We need to ask ourselves, what are we called for? Sometimes we're not going to be shot at or whatever or, or physically, you know, um, our lives threatened, but our careers can be threatened, you know. So I don't think we can limit that risk to a public sector. But yes, in terms of a career sort of, um, what do I say, risk, being ethical comes at a cost. So we just need to, I guess, just promote that more of us are like that because we need to get through this hurdle where it becomes a way of life and people just know that no matter how much you threaten our people, people are going to do the right thing. Um, and we can't do that in isolation. We need to encourage, if we're talking about vaccines, like a herd um, immunity around this sort of stuff. Um, it's sad. I mean, there was a CFO that was gunned down after dropping off their, their child at school, you know, part of these PPE things. And it, you, you think to yourself, I mean, that could have been me. But we need to raise the standard. We need to raise the bar. That's what we called for. And we can't just be these professionals and then we don't do the right thing. We don't live up to these principle, fundamental principles that we're supposed to abide by. Yeah. And you were chatting a little bit about it before we, came, we went on air. Um, you said something about, uh, you were, well, I asked you about your time, um, and you said something about a nine to five. Talk to me a little bit about how you're struggling with that 95 again, just so the, for the audience's sake. <laughs> um, struggling with it. Or, I don't know. Or my jump. Time. <laughs> yes, yes. 
yeah, no, look, I think I've always had a very business orientated bone in me. Like I, I was raised amongst uh, entrepreneurs. Um, my grandparents were farmers, my grand, um, your amazing woman, but was able to hold the fort running a farm all by herself. I think at one point she won um, business woman of the year. Um, yeah, within the farming space. And my mom even, she was an accountant. Um, I lost my mom when I was in grade 11. But what I do remember about her is that when she was retrenched from her job, when we were still living in Queenstown, she came and she also started living on a farm. But the projects she was doing and self-sustaining everything to make sure that we're fine, I think being raised around that particular environment and being able to balance your time. You wake up when you need to wake up, you have your own routine, you're able to balance your life. But I think I get it from there. Um, and yes, I, I did well in school. I was able to go into the, the this particular route. But I think when I, as I grew older, I'm like, but I don't wanna have to work. Like, do I have to have a boss? Cause I don't remember seeing anyone in my family with a boss, you know? <laughs> So that's why some of my nine to five decisions, I was like, I don't know if I can do this, you know, but we learn a lot in, in our experiences. And I, I do believe that this particular route, um, accounting was quite um, important for me to take because there's certain career choices where if you were to jump in the way that I did, I don't have the sort of backup that it will be able to get me to where I need to go in terms of my pivot. So yeah, my pivot was really around the fact that I want to have a flexi sort of um, lifestyle. And I think being a mom um, and being a hands-on mom, I really wanted to be able to be present as well. So, yeah. Um, this was a good, good understanding. I'm going to ask you the question I like to ask all my guests. What is one piece of advice you would give your younger self? <sighs> okay, so I'm lucky. Thank you for the question. I've had it before and I'm going to keep my answer. Thank you. I think I'll tell my younger self, um, be comfortable in who you are. You know, I remember growing up, you get called names, coconut and all of this. And some of those things can make you feel like you need to change who you are. But you realize that some people actually can be quite mean. And if you're going to be deterred by those things and you don't see that actually you're not a coconut, you're just really a focused individual who's doing something that maybe others are not doing. I don't know. But be true to yourself. Um, don't be deterred by what other people have to say. Everyone else is going through something. But trust yourself. Um, I think if I'd learned to do that earlier uh, and be more comfortable in my own skin, um, yeah, I would have probably, well, let me not say I would be in a better place, but I think <laughs> everything happens at, at the right time. But I do, what, like I would say to my younger self, just be okay with who you are. Don't listen to what other people have to say. I love it. Just be you because everybody yeah. else is taken. And trying yeah. to be someone exactly. else is exhausting. Exactly. <laughs> it's so exhausting. <laughs> I'm going to have a quick look just to see if there's any questions that have come through. Everybody's just enjoying the uh, the stream and nobody's actually had any questions. We've got a couple of comments there from Spukazi. Uh, oh, I no see. Yeah. So um, I'll basically are there any last few words from you or anything we didn't discuss that you'd like the audience to know uh firstly i want to recognize this poor she's one of our national leaders she oversees our student chapters at a national level so it's probably nice to see you here um i think for me 
I know when you asked me to come on, you asked about what sort of topics are close to my heart. And, you know, I've, I've journeyed in the time that I've, I've been running my own sort of schedule and my own sort of time to think about what is it that I want to leave, you know, as an individual? I mean, if I had to die today, what is it that I would want to be remembered for? And I think the constant thing now is making sure that I lift as I rise, you know, and multiplying. There's this thing in my mind that's always saying, we can't be uh, content with being the only one in a particular space. Uh, we can't be content with now and what I can get right now. Some of the things that we're doing, you know, with it, especially within the voluntary space, is around changes that can be made for the next generation, you know. Um, so I really want to encourage, you know, young people to, to think about those things. And we come with such an energy. And I'm saying we because I'm under 35, so I'm still young. <laughs> but to say... As, as we do things, let's not only think about ourselves, we, we are a generation that at times is very rushed to have things the way we want them now. Um, but if we could see that the little things that we are doing collectively, we're going to create a ripple and a ripple that's going to be a wave so that other people can benefit and be sustained, you know? And if we cannot be deterred, it means we are also making a mark. Um, in our own little way, even if we can't see it now. I think that's the one thing I'd probably leave you as in that let's all be part of making an impact in our small little ways. And together it's going to, did you see what I did there? Small little ways. <laughs> <laughs> Play on the top. We've got one, one or two questions that have slipped through. Do you mind if I run it by you quickly? No problem. From the audience? Okay, so Spokazi wants to know, what inspires you? Because you do so much. What is keeping your passion alive? Oh, so easy. You know, people like Spokazi, you should interview her sometime. She's such a bubbly character. <laughs> and sometimes oh, when we're so tired bit. and we go into meetings and Spoggy just comes with this energy and you're like, oh, guys, this is what it's about. You know, at least someone's alive. But really what, what does inspire me is young people actually inspire me. And it's linking to what I, I, I said before, that we don't do things for, for ourselves. We, we should be doing things for those that follow. And when I start seeing, especially within Abasa, Abasa has shown me the power of young people. It's shown me the energy. And it's shown me how we can link it to the legacy that we've been left so that we can keep it going and refine it, but still really speak to the mandate and the objectives. So when I see young people coming out of their shells, especially young girls, it just makes it so worth it, you know? And when someone can say, I was so scared to do this and I've heard your story and, and I see what you're doing and I feel like I should also be contributing to a bigger cause, those are the things that really, really keep me going. So people inspire me um, and the people we lift should inspire us to keep going. So yeah, that would be my answer. Keep leading by example. We've got one last question from Jasmine. She says, in a lot of the CA trainee requirements, firms require South African citizenship. Is this something Abasa is aware of? And do you think it's something that will change? So, yeah, so definitely. Um, and I've, I mean, having journeyed throughout my articles and seeing the requirements and also knowing how different offices kind of uh, prioritize in, in that way. And Abasa is open to not only Black South Africans, it's open to, it's Southern Africa, you know. So I think what I'm also lacking seeing in an Abasa is 
these individuals that are saying this is an issue coming in to the organization to say we need to be represented here so we can find ways to give solutions or to say how do we make sure that we also incorporate um, this, these other groups. So you always have a prioritization and that's legislated, but these are things that can be engaged on. So ABASA is a way, but I'm also just saying we also need to raise awareness around that ABASA is also a home for not only Black South Africans. And the more representation we have in the same way that there's more representation across the different bodies, it's not only about SICA, that's when certain agendas actually get elevated because there's someone who's going to remind people that, guys, this is something, are we addressing it? And how do we address it? Or how do we raise awareness of the opportunities for the, this particular group? Or how do we engage with these particular organizations around how to still cater for our people, even though we are prioritizing a certain risk group? Yeah. Thank you for the question, Jasmine. It's a good question. Um, a reminder to the audience, the show has been live on YouTube and will be available on the podcast tomorrow. If you're watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast and you feel that the video has added value, don't forget to like, subscribe, and click on the notification bell so that you get automatically notified the next when the next episode comes out. Linda, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. And pay your membership. <laughs> I'm going Thanks to go everyone check. for joining us. <laughs> go for it. Thanks everyone for joining us for another episode of Two Ways to Skin a Cat. Goodbye.